Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com. We are over the top excited about sharing some dear friends with you today. We love these folks, respect these folks, and couldn't be more excited for you to be a part of our conversation. Jill Phillips and Andy Gullihorn are Nashville-based singer-songwriters who met while attending Belmont University once upon a time. This incredibly talented couple has a resume too long to recite in a podcast intro, but you will definitely want to check out their music online after you listen to this episode. And spoiler alert, you may get a little taste of their talents if you listen all the way to the end. We recommend you do. Just this past month, Andy made his way around national news outlets sharing the heart-swelling story of a weekly high-five ritual he shared with a dear friend for years. If you haven't read the story, just Google him and take your pick of articles and videos. We dare you not to cry. Most recently, you can find Jill studying the Enneagram or meeting with clients in her counseling practice. Jill and Andy have three children who keep them very busy and give them lots of inspiration for songwriting. Please enjoy this rich conversation with Jill and Andy. We are like bananas about the two of you just as human beings, as people, and really respect you as parents and were the first people that came to mind when we were thinking about how can we talk about what it looks like, what it means to be more intentional and more balanced in the journey of parenting. So thank you both for being willing to do this and that we just get to spend this time with you. Thank you for having us. We're so excited. Us too. Will you just talk about like kids, ages, names, just so they have a sense of where y'all are? Well, we have three kids. Our son is 18, freshman in college. We have a 16-year-old daughter that is a junior in high school and a 13-year-old boy that is in eighth grade. Yeah, all that online eighth grade in high school. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, virtual schooling right now. Y'all are in the thick of it age-wise. I'm so glad for the perspective and balance you can bring about those three ages. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. That Maybe that's our perspective. It's a lot. <laughs> and a preview of what's to come. We're going to circle back to more of what it means to live in a house full of teenagers yeah. here toward the end of our conversation. But talk about starting out, what does balance even look like with a house full of adolescents? You want to start with that one or me? No, Andy? I want you to start with <laughs> He keeps looking at me for the balance. When I was thinking about that word balance and what that means to me and where we are now, is it looks like kind of more like a long game Mm. (laughs) than like a short term. 
if I were to take a snapshot of every day, I would not say there's like balance here. You know, like maybe there's one day where work is having to take a little more, which has cost a little bit from family or, and then we kind of adjust and adapt. And then the next day it's like, okay, work was really hard that day. We're going to really settle down and kind of focus on family today. And so it looks more like, um, I don't know, like it looks more like a game of twister sometimes and like adapting and adjusting than it does this perfect state that we found. I think that's one good thing about being musicians, wouldn't you say, is that like flexibility is kind of something we're pretty good at. (laughs) We've had to become good at. So I think we're pretty flexible. And like we were even talking about that on the way in here. It's been a really intense season with work. We just finished up a bunch of Christmas shows at the Ryman, or I did with Andrew Peterson and... Andy's been working a lot and doing music, and we haven't been with the kids as much this week as normal. So we've just been having conversations about that. Like, hey, this was a really hard week. What was this like for you guys? This was hard for us. Tonight, we're going to settle in and have a movie night and like get takeout. Mm. So that's kind of what balance looks like right now. I don't know. What would you add to that? Yeah, I would say even from your description, like the balance feels like we're kind of in the middle of the road more than other places, but it's just because we're going back and forth from hitting the guardrails back and forth. You know, it's just kind of like, especially in the COVID time. Mm-hmm. I think balance before COVID time was a lot about work, how much we're gone, how much we're home, mm-hmm. how much time when we're home we're spending together as a couple versus staying up late watching TV with the kids, like carving out time just for us to be together. And in COVID time, it's really kind of hard to remember BC <laughs> yeah. before COVID yeah, time. For me, it's looked quite different. Jill's working a lot in town, and I kind of had to adjust my expectations about. I mean, my travel schedule cleared back in March, so I had to kind of adjust expectations from. Oh, I've got all this work I need to do, and I have to tend to the online school stuff. To now, it's like okay. I'm tending to online school stuff. And if I have any time left over, then I tend to work stuff. So balance during the COVID time is, mm-hmm. I, mean, I hope we don't have to do that a whole lot longer. But yes, it's really shifted and mm-hmm. it continues really to shift like in each phase mm-hmm. of life. Yes. And each phase of COVID. Yes. Mm-hmm. And each yeah. phase of COVID. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have never thought about this until you said what you did, but I think the COVID piece of it even further, but it made me think about the Peterson book about a long obedience in the same direction. Yes. That feels so much like what parenting is. Yes. A long obedience in the same direction. Yes. That's and so that good. it has stretched longer here mm-hmm. lately. Yes. But I think the way that you're talking about balance feels so intentional in what you're carving out. But also I love that y'all are incorporating their voices and letting them be a part of the process as we know y'all would. Just We're really trying to. I mean, if you got them on here, they'd have all their opinions and feelings about (laughs) that. That would be fun. (laughs) Which is why they're not on here. (laughs) Mm. But we're really trying to. Like, we're really trying to give them a voice in all of that. And if nothing else, just, like, talk about our feelings in it. Like, just talk. How are you doing this? Like, this is hard. This hard for you? This is hard for me. What do you need? This is what I need. Mm. And holding that space between like what we individually need, but at the same time, we're more together now than we've ever been. So it is hard. Talk about balance, like holding the space between letting you be your individual and have different needs. And we're living in this common space kind of 24-7 now. Yeah, yeah. So you can't, 
it can't be all about you and it has to be some about you. (laughs) Mm. So I don't know. It's elusive. Yes, it absolutely is. Thinking about 2020 and thinking about probably as folks are listening, we're hopefully moving out of COVID by the time people are hearing this. And I haven't thought about this till just now, but my hope is this is almost like what we're learning in this season, like as you're talking about asking them questions, involving their voices, balance in this time, kind of circling around, that whenever we go through hard times, whatever they look like in the future, as families culturally together, that we can go back to the things that we learned because it's terrible practice, but that's kind of what it is because hopefully we're not going to go through a pandemic again, but we're all going to go through seasons of loss and grief together individually and collectively. And so to kind of go back to those things, I think the things y'all are saying are good to remember whatever that looks like as a family that's coming for people. So, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm getting off track of the balance thing, but that was really good. Thinking about balance, what would you say are your biggest challenges to it or hurdles with that individually together? I mean, there's so many. I think one of the biggest challenges is the kids are so different. Yeah. And then we're so we're also different. So knowing what everybody it's space everybody needs and trying to tend to that, but also just trying to consider everybody, mm. I think is endlessly hard. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they that our kids aren't accommodating or that we aren't accommodating. It's just there's an acceptance that we're not gonna be checking all the boxes. All the time, or even most of them, most of the time, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we do what we can, and yeah, the kids in particular, they're so different in what they would want to do with their time. Like family activities, what oh, they yeah. want to do, you know, I want to play a game, I want to be in my room, I want to go to Cheekwood, I want to stay home, <laughs> watch a movie, you know, you're just like, okay. How do you accommodate all like, of that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you yeah. throw in, you know, work schedule, Yeah, which normally would be out of town for quite a while, that makes it hard to balance too. So it's, it's always re-entry. You know, re-entry is always hard and, and preparing to leave is always difficult. So there's you throw that into the mix and it just makes balance a lot, a lot harder. Yeah. That's a great transition that leads us in a direction we wanted to go with you all. Of the many things that we appreciate, enjoy, and respect about the two of you, we love the deep dive that you've done into the Enneagram and we've talked about the Enneagram, I think, in every season of this podcast, was we believe in it as a tool, an intentional tool in so many ways. And just would love for you all, if you would first talk about your experience with the Enneagram, kind of how mm-hmm. you came into it, and then how has it informed your parenting, even as a tool for balance? Yeah. Man, you said that so well. I don't think its impact can be overstated in like how it's kind of permeated our life. You know, it's the kind of thing we don't think about all the time, but it's in there. It's kind of like this lens that we use with our kids all the time and how we were at first came to knowing the Enneagram. Like Andy grew up Catholic, so he grew up knowing the Enneagram his whole life. His parents. That's fascinating. I mean, he grew up knowing, you know, he was a nine from a young age, right? Like pretty young age. It was bigger in the Catholic Church before it was in the evangelical church. And so his parents have known their whole life, his life about the Enneagram. And I think I was first introduced to Enneagram by a therapist friend of mine in like 2003. Wow. And knew enough to kind of like know what number I was and, 
you know, like, oh, that that's really true. And it was helpful and all these things, but kind of went to like a level two depth, you know? Yeah. And then we were in Florida. Gosh, it's probably been six or seven years now, maybe longer than that. Our friend Ian Cron had invited us to come and speak at an event in Florida. And he had brought this woman that he was like, this woman is the stuff. Mm. Like, you need to learn about the Enneagram from this, like, sensei. <laughs> and it was Suzanne Stabile. Ah. So we met her and heard her teach. And I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? Like, this is not just a thing. This is like a tool. This is like a spiritual formation tool. Mm. This is a tool for empathy and compassion and love and grace and understanding and common good. I mean, it just, it changed everything. And so then we became friends with her and I started doing her Enneagram apprentice program. So I went to Dallas and studied with her for three years on and off to become one of her like teaching apprentices. So that's kind of how we, it was a long journey, but that <laughs> that's the story. <laughs> that. Yeah. How has it informed your parenting on a daily basis, would you all say? When do you see evidence of that? We only see evidence of it every waking moment. <laughs> <laughs> I was like waiting for what you were going to say. I know, me too. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's really helpful for me. One of the things they talk about, lost childhood messages, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. And that's been a tool that's been helpful for me in mm-hmm. my number. But knowing that about my kids... I think has been one of the most helpful things, mm-hmm. just knowing that their perspective on the world is different than mine. So the messages that I try to tell my kids, I try to tell my kids all the same messages. I love them unconditionally and whatever, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But I know that for me, there are certain messages that people could tell me that I just can't absorb. They just bounce off me. And so to know what those messages are for them I still tell them those messages, even though I know that they can't absorb them as easily. But just trying to find different ways to just kind of let it seep into their body, both from the verbal messages I'll give them, but just the way that we handle different situations. I think that's probably the most helpful thing for me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Andy. That's well said. I think without knowing that, I might have reinforced with my kids, some of the things that really did not need to be reinforced. Mm. Like intuitively, I would have praised my three for all the things he wins at (laughs) because that's so what he wants me to do. He so wants me to like be like, oh my gosh, you see how many goals I scored? I'll be like, yes, I did. Amazing. Oh my gosh. You know, it's not (laughs) that, but like now I know to say like, hey, you know that like we love you for you and not just Mm. for what you do, right? And, he, and literally, he said to me one time, whatever, you just say that because you're my mom. And I was like, okay, his, this one's going to be hard. But yeah, I think I might have leaned in to kind of the wrong message or, or like reinforce the things that were really kind of harmful for them. Mm. Not that we don't do that sometimes, that we really try not to. Mm. I would imagine there are people hearing this thinking, I want to do that. How do I find my way to those messages? Like, what can I do? Where would y'all say parents can go to connect and find more out? 
Well, I mean, I love Suzanne's podcast, The Enneagram Journey, and that's free. That's a great, you know, parents, a lot of times you don't have time to be reading books. You're reading your Daystar books. You need to read a po- You need to listen to a podcast. Go to Enneagram Journey. She has some episodes around parenting. And also you can just, if you just want basic facts, I think the lost childhood messages for each Enneagram number are on Riso and Hudson's website, which is like the Enneagram Institute. Okay. You can look up each number and it says like, I think it lists the lost childhood message for each one. Mm. You know, and I think what we've learned is we don't have to be like really heavy handed with it. It's not like I'm walking around to my four going, you are special. Right. <laughs> like there's no one like you or whatever every day. She would but think you weren't genuine She anyway, would be like, what the heck, mom? <laughs> Um, she'd see right through it, you know, but it has helped us know the particular language and the ways, kind of the nuance of loving them well. I will say too, one thing that's hard about the Enneagram in that way, it is a tool, but it's one of those tools that if you don't work it yourself, Mm. it's going to be really hard to just, to know how to use it or to use the tool in your family. So you could go look up lost childhood messages and if I did that for my kids, that would be one thing. But if I wasn't working on an understanding of how my lost childhood message is hard for me to absorb and see the different ways in which I can't really accept it, I don't know how useful mm-hmm. it would be if I'm not working it myself. So it's, it's, there's actual work to do. In doing the work, that's really what helps give the perspective with the kids. I hate stuff like that. I, oh. wish, it, I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. You're or it has right. been for me. Yeah, yeah. If y'all were going to talk about kind of your guiding principles as parents, I think we both know that to be true about y'all. I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I think one of your guiding principles is to do your own work and that you love your kids so differently and so much more freely out of that. And I think there's so much evidence of that in who you both are. But what would y'all say if you Mm -hmm. were going to kind of zoom out and say, these are kind of our most important things in Mm -hmm. terms of who we want to be as parents? One important thing that I think about a lot as a parent, and I've joked about it from on stage a number of times, is that I know I'm going to screw up my kids, but I want them to know, to have many experiences of me apologizing to them. Mm. You know, And some of that is just self-defense, so that when they go to counseling throughout <laughs> their life, they'd be like, well, he did apologize for that. You know? I'm just you know, covering myself. That's one thing. And I would want them to know doing my own work is important. I, th- mm. I think doing our own work is more important. If we don't start there, then we don't really have anything to give to them. Mm. But if they knew all the worst things about me in my life, I'd want them to not be surprised in a way. Mm. You know, like to not feel like I was judgmental against other people, that I was empathetic. Our kids are very empathetic. I, yeah. I think they, not to our credit, but just to try to live in a way, both in the way that I treat them and the way that we treat other people, that they would be able to see the whole spectrum of a human being, the good parts and the bad parts. Mm. I don't really know how to achieve that, but it's kind of like Mm -hmm. a filter that I kind of want to parent through. Yeah. What about you, Jill? I love, no, I love that answer. (laughs) I was thinking that you kind of like, you know, made a joke about it, but I do think the apologizing thing is so big. Mm. We try to own our stuff and apologize and I want them when they grow up and they suffer and they they already have, right? They're teenagers. They know what suffering is and they will again. I want them to have seen like the human experience of emotion like modeled and be okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want them to know that we get angry and we get sad and we get 
hurt and we're, you know, all these things and like, it's okay. And it's okay for them. And we can hold that and we can do that without hurting each other in it. You know, we can like feel these things without like working them out on each other. And when we do, we apologize. So our son, you know, he's been reflecting a lot on our family since he's come back from college. You know, he's seen things with new eyes. Mm. And it's been so sweet because he'll just like say them sometimes. I mean, listen, we got some issues too. We're not, <laughs> we're not, I'm, we're, I'm not trying to toot our horn. But one thing he said when he came back is he's like, mom and dad, I'm realizing how much we like talk about things and we like talk about our feelings. And he said, you guys have decided the people you want to be, and then you do your work around that. Wow. And I was like, I mean, like the tears just like came. I was just- He probably wanted money. Yeah, he probably wanted money. (laughs) I mean, listen, you know, we've had some fights too. I was just, yeah, all of that. But that was a moment. That was just a moment when I was like, okay, yes, Mm. that's the kind, like people first. Mm. I guess that's a mantra, like people first. We've always Mm. said that. People over the- beauty of the inside of our house or mm-hmm. people over technology yeah like yeah people over relationships relationships first. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the raising boys and girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with minnow did you know that minnow has an award-winning children's bible written by veggie tales creator phil visher the minnow laugh and grow bible for kids is more than a children's bible storybook It's a deep, engaging, and whimsical gospel experience. Each Bible story is vividly illustrated, takes just minutes to read, and includes a family connection to encourage readers to learn, talk, and pray together. Find out more at shop.gominno.com. That's shop.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. I think so many parents have questions about your kids discovering their number. Would Mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Honestly, man, when this is done, I'd love to hear from y'all how you do that, because Mm -hmm. I know that you, you know, do that here at Daystar. I know with our kids and our family, we had a sense of what we thought they might be. Like, we were pretty sure, like just from the years of living with them and of what they might be on the Enneagram, but we didn't tell them. Mm. They were familiar with the Enneagram. We kind of let them say themselves what they thought they were. I will say we were right. <laughs> but <It's> nice. <laughs> but we could have been wrong because, you mm. know, when you're young, it's so hard. Like I misidentified myself for a long time. Mm. For months, I thought I was a different number than I was. Huh. So tons of grace for that. I think we were listening to something of Susie's in the car is what it was like on a road trip. And we were listening to it for us. And I noticed they were listening. And at one point, my youngest goes, what's that one about winning? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I mean, literally, that was his answer. We're like, mm-hmm, we know. I mean, we didn't say it like that, but we were. And then, you know, they all kind of eventually came to like, and my, my daughter was like, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I'm a four. And we tried not to be shaming about it. Like, mm. yeah, we're pretty sure you are too. Yeah, we're right. like, no, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. And then- mm. Our oldest is a six with a seven wing like me. Mm. So they kind of came to it on their own. And I think that was a good way to do it because then they didn't feel labeled by us. We still operated from that place before like they were, kind of holding it loosely. But Mm -hmm. when they said it, then we felt free to say it. 
Yeah, I think a good word as a parent is hypothesis. Yeah, that is just a good, hold it as a good. hypothesis, and you can operate out of what you think. And it's not going to be telling them their love for who they are, not what they do. If you're wrong about what number they are, it's not going to like mm. do damage to them. Yeah. But yeah, just kind of we had our hypothesis, and then they kind of proved the hypothesis to mm-hmm. be. Mm. At least so far. Maybe they're wrong. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We'll go with them if they change their minds. Yeah. Right. If those were some of the guiding principles, can we talk a little bit about just some of the everyday practices? And can you think of a recent, what you might call a balance practice, something you've done recently, or could be an Enneagram practice you've done recently since we've asked you a lot around that? Well, for me, the one that comes to mind first is just work right now. I've just made a shift in my work to be able to, in the new year, have more time and flexibility with my kids. And so we're always assessing that, mm. the cost-benefit ratio and all of that, and it and it changes. Sometimes things work for a season and they don't work for another season. So yeah. I've just been in a season of like discernment and consideration of them mm. far, as far as like how much I want to work, when I want to work. Like I'm shifting my hours of seeing clients because I virtual school, you know. So always taking a pulse, like me of my body. Mm. Like I'm an I would tend towards anxiety. Mm. So I notice when my anxiety is going up and my body doesn't feel good and I'm feeling stressed and less present and coming home and the kids call it getting clampy. <laughs> laugh so hard they're like oh mom's getting clammy because I'm like all of a sudden the room that didn't bother me yesterday is suddenly like how is this room looking like that they're like oh mom's getting clammy and then I know like oh yeah I'm like time to adjust time Mm -hmm. to like pay attention to something so that's what it's looked like for me for them to get to say that to you (laughs) says so much and that you walk away and hear it it makes I mean, me laugh. I mean, it kind of stings because it's true, but it is said in love. And that's the difference. Like, they're the saying it kind of in love, you know. And when I was thinking about actual practices, the thing that comes to mind with our kids in particular is having everybody get outside together on a walk, which is so hard. We almost don't want to do it because the arguments about like, no, it's a good time. The weather's fine. Put your shoes on. <laughs> you know, this whole buildup to actually getting everybody out together. And there's a magical thing that happens once we are all walking together. Mm-hmm. After about five minutes, everybody's nicer to each other. Everybody's happy. Mm. So it's just roughing it through the on-ramp of getting everybody outside and walking together. And once mm-hmm. we do it, it's like it's it's a great to me balancing reset of mm-hmm. over Thanksgiving break. We didn't travel and see family, but we used hotel points and stayed at a hotel downtown together and walked to dinner and just walked around downtown, not like the crowded spots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we went to Cheekwood and walked around and they complained about all of it, but until we did it. And once we started yeah. walking around, it's just a. Those were good days. Because you can kind of yeah. pair off, you know, like you walk and mm-hmm. that's always been a reset for us, just getting everybody outside. Yeah. Everybody's happy in nature. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Well, if y'all had to say, maybe it happens sometimes on the walks, but if you had to say things that you specifically feel like you're learning from your kids these days, what would you say? Which may be especially poignant with teenagers. Yeah. 
You know, one thing I'm learning is that in many ways, my kids have surpassed me, Mm. like, and certainly are more mature and healthier and self-confident than I was at their age. And so in some ways, like, I mean, that's amazing. And it's also really hard because I grew up as a real people pleaser. I mean, like when I was their age, I was like so concerned with like saying the right thing and doing the right thing and being the right thing and I'll be what you need me to be and all of that. And nice Christian girl. And some of it was like really authentic and some of it was like really, really damaging to me. And so sometimes when I watch them be so free, it scares me. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, y'all. Start pleasing some people. Get back in there. Get back in there and be in bondage, you know? Because it's just like, oh, like their freedom to just like, I don't care what people think of this outfit. Or I don't care mm. what, what, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, what does that feel like, mm. you know? So that's what I'm learning about myself is that I love it. And it's also hard mm. when your kids know things that you didn't know at that age. And it brings up some of my stuff and my mm. junk that I got to deal with has nothing to do with them. Mm. Um, but it can come out at them. I mean, I oh, think what heck a, yeah. not that it does for you, but I oh, think it does for me. That's such an Absolutely. important thing to remember that not on purpose. It totally comes so out for often. Me. Yeah. And so I'd have to tell them that like yeah. I've told my kids that at different times, like, you know what? You are just more free than I was. And sometimes that's hard for mom and I love it. Yeah. And I, and I love it. Yeah. I was totally on board with that. And particularly in this year, I think I've learned a lot from my kids around the conversation about race. Mm. Even seeing the marches, it's mostly younger generation, like my kids' generation. And having these conversations where I just understand that my experience of the world was a little bit more open to things than maybe what my parents' experience was just because of when they grew up. Mm. And so recognizing that my kids' experience is going to be different than mine is not bad. And I can either be like, well, you kids are loosey-goosey and, you know, whatever. Or I could kind of just humble myself and learn from where they are. I think they're really wise and they're very empathetic. And they're growing up in a culture that is, you know, some people would say for better or worse, accepting of different things. But I think to use that to challenge the ways that I'm kind of set from the way that I grew up. So we have those conversations a lot, you know, mm-hmm. talk with my kids like, well, this is how I grew up. This is what I thought when I was your age. Here are things that I still think that are different than what you think, but I'm just open to learning from them. I think we're in good hands if the younger people are kind of moving us forward from where we are now. Yes. I love that, Andy. Wow. We want to ask you one last question and then we have a little bit of a surprise coming. When we travel, back in the day when we used to travel (laughs) often, we have a game of trying to find the best taco in whatever city we're in. Mm. So we have a mild obsession. Some might say it needs an intervention. We just call it supporting local business. But we love to know your favorite taco or favorite taco spot. Oh, man. You just asked Andy Gullhorn a question that he is made for. Austin, (laughs) Texas, man. Serious, Serious taco game. I mean, it's too easy right now. I mean, there's just one taco place in my heart, and it's Lady Bird Taco. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. My buddy Gabe, uh, his wife Keely, started that. Well, it opened in June. It was supposed to open March 22nd, and then that was a horrible time to open a restaurant. Yes. 
But yeah, we've talked for years about how we wanted breakfast tacos and, and like real tortillas. Because yeah, I'm from Austin. Made, so like breakfast yeah. tacos is every gas station you have homemade tortillas and breakfast tacos mm. and they're actually really good. I still remember when y'all came to our kitchen and practiced the first tortilla recipes. Mm-hmm. Because wow. Andy was like, maybe I'll be involved in this in, in some way. And then he saw how much work it was. He's like, no yeah. way, man. <laughs> I'm out. I remember Gabe coming to me. He's like, okay, we've been talking about this. I think I'm ready to quit music and open a restaurant. Are you in? I was like, I'm totally in to eat at the restaurant. <laughs> and I have been. That's where all my COVID weight comes from. Mm. Yeah. Well, what's your favorite taco there? Like yeah. what? If a person traveled to Nashville and felt overwhelmed by the beauty of the menu, where should they start? It depends on the on the mood. I mean, that's a hard thing. But I, I mean, my standard is the number one, which is just a bacon, egg, and cheese, but I add potato. And then wow. um, I think for the lunch tacos... It really switches because there's some really good brisket tacos there, but the queso fresco taco, I think it's number 10, maybe. That's a good one. It's like a fried block of some kind of cheese with Ooh. peppers and stuff. It's really good. It doesn't sound, I'm not selling it very well, uh, it's but it's good. really good. You are. Yeah, it's really good. And technically, I guess it's vegetarian, you know, but it's, that doesn't mean it's like super healthy. It's a huge fried <laughs> block of cheese. <laughs> And like I y'all, I love a street taco, like a chicken mm. street taco. Like that is like a carnitas or something. That is my jam. And where do you I like to get it. Of course, I love Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. You know where else I love in town is the La Hacienda on Nolansville. Mm-hmm. Me too. I love La Hacienda on Nolansville. Yeah. Their street tacos with just like cilantro and onion. Mm-hmm. I could eat that about every day of my life. Yes. I feel bad already for leaving out Baja Burrito because that's Baja my other state. Yeah. I, don't, I only Baja get tacos there. I don't get but burritos. But we get tacos there. We I get, do. I get salads Listen, there. I just get, you, get the, you get the brisket taco, but you don't put beans and rice on it, but you just put the taquiera sauce is yes. what it's called. Yes, And then jalapenos and then corn mm. salsa on it. It's, it's really pretty good. Mm. What's y'all's favorite? And then a blackened salmon taco oh, yes, on the that, side oh, with yes. that brisket taco I'll take that. and Baja yes. burrito. Yes. Or the Tampico pork. Magic combo. It's really good too. So yes. <laughs> we have plenty of tacos great. around. Yes, there are. Yeah. Yeah. And if you came to Nashville to have these tacos we're discussing, if you're mm-hmm. listening from out of town and you timed it just right, you might be able to hear these two amazing folks perform in the city. Mm. And I don't think... Either of us have ever seen the two of you perform live when we haven't been doubled over laughing in some moment and crying the next. Yes. I, I don't quite know how you all can fold all of the elements in that you do, but the bottom line is it's really ridiculous how talented the two of you are. Really, mm. it should be illegal. Agreed. Good yes. thing we like That's you so, so much. Nice. We are over the top excited that you were willing to sing something for us at the end of today and really want to let you set up this song however you'd like to set it up before you sing. Oh, there's a lot of ways to set up this song, but... (laughs) This song was written in a non-balanced parenting moment. (laughs) Can we say that? An unbalanced parenting moment? Well, even those moments are kind of balanced if you balance it out over the long period of time. The long obedience, yeah. 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 I won't go into the whole long story, but it, it was a moment... Okay, coming back to the Enneagram... I'm a nine on the Enneagram, and my core passion is anger. I'm in the anger triad, I guess I'll say. But I don't think people see me as an angry person because I like to be even keeled. But I just stuff it down all day long because I'm afraid of my anger. And then when it builds up enough, it will come out 
<laughs> and it's not measured. It doesn't come out like at a three to a five range. It comes out when it's like nine or 10. Mm. And I kind of started thinking about writing this song after one of those moments where I kind of reached a nine or a 10 then came back and apologized to my kids for reaching a nine or a 10. And then kind of my teenager, at that point, my oldest kind of just doubling down. And I was just, at that point, I, I didn't even get angry. I was just like, what is happening to my, my sweet kid? <laughs> he was like, He knew yeah, exactly Dad. how to go for the jugular. He was like, Dad, that was out of line. And he's like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I, I lost my temper. I'm so sorry I yelled. And he's like, yeah, that was like ridiculous. And he just like kept going yeah. on and on. And, I, and then was, Andy's anger is like to, coming back. And he's like, Rah. I was trying to turn it to like, when he said that, I was like, yeah, it was ridiculous. But haven't you ever had an experience where your response is greater than what the situation mm. calls for? And then his response was, yeah, but I'm not 41. Wow. Holy cow. And he's an excellent kid. Wow. But he knew how to go for the jugular. It was a as moment. teenagers wow. do. When you're yes. a teenager, it's just kind of like. It was a moment. Mm-hmm. He it's tagged out. Game. He tagged me in. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, the story is that I did. I kind of just went over to the corner of the Hampton Inn hotel room that we were all in. And I just kind of backed myself into the little closet and closed the door in the dark and, and started doing some breathing exercises <laughs> to calm down. And then I decided to get my revenge with the song. And we're all glad you did. <laughs> I hope the song ministers to you. If everything has two sides I guess there is a downside To only seeing the bright side of life Cause if you are not grounded Or your head's in the clouds Then you lose sight of what's real and what's right So we need some kind of equalizing force To take us down when we get on our high horse We have teenagers Teenagers They'll expose you as a fool Like it's their mission to personal That's because it is But who else could protect us from having fun in public from wearing things that might be out of style Who else could remind us our best years are behind us not getting any younger we're dying When they're not eating, they're just trying to help Cause sometimes it's hard to beat yourself up by yourself So we have teenagers Teenagers When we want them gone, they're here When we don't, they disappear 
to the rule They're perfect little angels all the time They are asleep I guess that as their father the best that I can do is help my babies become good adults not perfect in between They say these years will fly by so we should savor this time And there's so much to savor these days Before you know it they're gone with little kids of their own grateful for the way they were raised So if we can keep from killing them till then Maybe one day we will all have sweet revenge When they have teens They say what goes around Comes back to your kids When they have their own Teenagers Teenagers We talk about with parents of teenagers are like favorite two words or empathy and questions But I think hmm. What y'all have done today is not only talk about those kind of things, but talk about grace and valuing their voices and your own sense of humility in a way that I think for some of us, when we were growing up, our parents never did any of that. Mm. And so it feels almost like reverse nature to step into that and that it could feel like weakness as a parent, but that it looks like so much strength. To those kids and so much security. And I just, I can't imagine how they're not seeing it and they're acting like that song, I'm sure, right now because of developmentally. But gosh, the stories your kids will tell when they're older mm. about the way that you have loved and led them is just amazing. Yeah, and so thanks. thank you for the oh, grace you have poured out into this room and into this podcast and the hope that I think every parent of a teenager and almost teenager is going to have as they end this podcast. So thank you all both. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the work you do. You know, my kids directly benefit from this place. Mm. Not only do we love y'all, but this has been a blessing in our lives. So thank you. I love what you said too about children having a voice. I think that's another Mm -hmm. mantra that's really important. So thanks for helping kids find that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.